Hello everyone, you are listening to the First Draft Collective, a podcast for discussing and creating stories. Um, I am Paul, um, and with me as always is my partners in this endeavour, Thorne Wild. Hello. Today I wanted to kind of clarify something first, because in the previous episode we recorded, we talked about um, romance in uh, fantasy and yeah. sci-fi, and I mentioned how I am not particularly fond of it. It has its place, but I, I, I admit that in, in genre fiction I tend not to care for romance as much. However, that being said, romance does have its place, and I do quite enjoy romantic stories as generally. We have just spent the last several weeks indulging in romantic fiction in various forms, I think. Yeah, we had some Jane Austen. And then we watched The Wall of Downton Abbey. Yes. For the first time for you, which you enjoyed right up until the final episode when you decided it was all way too happy. Yeah, I thought the ending was a little bit too saccharine for me. I won't say anything more than that in case I spoil anything, but, you know. Yeah. I, I, I'm feeling somewhat romantic. Maybe, maybe I should have done this for a February episode. Too late now. Probably. Maybe. We'll see. So, I, the thing is, is that I don't, at the same time, I don't write romance. I don't think I've ever written a story with a romance in it. Really? I think I have done some collaborative work with others before, which has involved romance. But for my own stories, it's just not something I think of. I have a hard time writing stories without romance. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Because to me, the way that I write stories is that I come up with the core plot or notion, the the concept, and then I build on it. But I kind of imagine that when you're doing a romantic story, you have to start with the actual characters involved. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, like I mentioned before, my, my story is always very character-driven. And Kat, would you stop that? Are you going to stay like that? Because that's okay. Anyway. Yeah, and as I've mentioned before, I think most of my stories are very character-driven, possibly because I've written so much romance. And erotica, let's be perfectly fair here. Yeah, done that too (laughs) my erotica usually involves romance yeah by and large not all not all erotica involves romance no but But mine does generally speaking the thing is is, i mean i i tend to make stories quite character driven as well it's just that the core concept does not start with the characters Mm. i build the characters around the plot so when you're coming up with a new story that's romance where does the idea come from for the two characters or how to how to begin when when the core when the core idea you're working with is two people m- moving around each other as, as such yeah i mean there's usually a little bit more to it than that there's usually often i come up with the conflict first because in a romance story the setting isn't necessarily that important. I mean, it can be very important, but not necessarily. And you don't necessarily need a villain either. I mean, obviously, um, side characters enrich the world, and it can be nice to have supporting a supporting cast, obviously. But you don't need those specific roles in the story in order for it to make sense. You just need the main couple, especially. I've, I've written short stories that are just two people and nothing else um, that I think we're quite good. Other people said they thought we're quite good, so <laughs> I just assume. But yeah, often what I start with is actually the conflict. 
because there is always a conflict of some kind or another. I mean, without conflict, I was actually talking about this on Twitter the other day um, where somebody asked if a villain is necessary for a story. And a lot of people agree that no, a villain is not necessary for a story, but a conflict is. An antagonist doesn't have to be a person. It can be, it can be something internal. It can be something, a tension between the characters, something like that. You don't have to have a bad guy. You just have to have some kind of conflict or tension in order for the story to be interesting to read. So occasionally I come up with that conflict first and then the character grows, the characters grow around the conflict. Like I wanted to write a short story, which is um, in my book, about a trans guy with uh, quite debilitating uh, gender dysphoria who falls in love with a gay man and feels very sort of struggles with not feeling like not a real man in that relationship. And his sort of coming to terms with or his partner can managing to convince him that you are a real man to me so the conflict came first and then the characters grew around the conflict so I do that that way sometimes other times I do start with just two characters or even more characters I have written multiple partner stories before and polyamorous stories before but so sometimes I come up with the characters themselves I just imagine two people and think hey They'd be nice together or hot together or whatever. A little bit like when you write slash fic, except the characters come from my head rather than from a pre-written story. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, for any listeners who have written fan fiction where you pair up two characters, whether they are, doesn't necessarily have to be slash fic, but romantic fanfic stories where you pair up two characters who aren't canonically paired up. The entire basis for that is usually seeing those two characters on screen or reading those two characters in a book and thinking either they'd be good together or they'd be hot together or both. So in your own brain, you come up with two characters and you go, ooh, that'd be hot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes. So, so yeah, I think those are the two main approaches that I have to writing romance. Either I start with conflict or I start with character or both for that matter. This is the reason why I tend not to go towards romance, just because it doesn't even occur to me when I'm writing. It's nothing to do with me having some thing against romantic plots or even romantic subplots and story. It's just that they simply do not occur to me when I'm writing up my plot. Maybe they should, but they don't. Even when I write in other genres um, that aren't romance, uh, I think that whole these two characters would be hot together thing just sort of happens because I'll have written characters that fill a certain um, a certain role in the plot, and then those two characters will um, meet, and I'll think, ooh, um, and like there will just sort of appear a sort of spark between them, and I have to, I have to put that in the story, just like I have to put it in the story when my characters do other stupid shit that I didn't plan. That I mean, I'm familiar with that concept. Sometimes you're just writing and then something happens and then you just follow it along logically. If a character's falling down a cliff, you have to basically make them fall down a cliff. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I feel if, if two characters meet and really hit it off, I feel like I need to follow through on that as well. It's interestingly, as a, as a writer of online fiction, obviously, um, I had a, a sort of young adult story with a, a four main characters as sort of a core cast. I'd planned a romance between two of them. And there was a conflict with a third. And then the fourth was kind of a supporting role, but still a main character. But I hadn't really... I'd worked out an arc for her. 
like for her character development, but I hadn't worked out a romance for her. I hadn't planned that at all. And then this was, I was posting this serially online without having finished the story. And a reader just sort of asked about this character and another character in the story who um, they were close friends or becoming close friends and was like, oh, I feel like there's a romance brewing between these two. And I hadn't planned it and I hadn't even thought about it. But when that person said it, I was like, well, duh, obviously, like that is exactly what's going to happen here. So sometimes other people's ideas of characters can lead to that as well. And I think I think when I when that happened to me, I sort of understood like I've always I've always thought when you have like a a TV series or something and um, the fandom goes all gaga over two characters they think should get together and then the next season, the uh, showrunners or whatever just decide that they're going to get together. And there wasn't really all that much hinting in the season before. It just sort of happened. And you think, oh, just, you know, pandering to the audience, which they are. At the same time, I just sort of realized that, yeah, maybe they're pandering to the audience a little bit, but also maybe they hadn't really thought about it. And then they did. And they thought, actually, that's a really good idea. So because I mean, that's what happened to me. <laughs> what I tend to experience in most stories like that, though, is that the, they pander to the um, to the fan base and put the two characters together and then put them through the most extreme hell they can think of for however many series that it runs for after that. Buffy and Spike. <clears throat> yeah, and for any fans that have watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they probably know what I'm talking about as well. But yeah, anything like that. Joss Whedon stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, Joss Whedon stuff. Because I know Buffy and Spike was not planned. And uh, Joss Whedon didn't even, like, he didn't even like that pairing. And he didn't want them to sort of... But that works out well. That, that actually trips over to what I was going to talk about next. Because relationships and romance can be... One of the most trope-filled, cliched Ooh, yeah. genres out there. Absolutely. Yeah. But Buffy and Spike is a good example. Because for those who don't know, who for those who, don't, who never watched Buffy or don't like that side of fiction... These are spoilers to an extent, but if you haven't watched Buffy yet... I, I think we can get away with, with talking about spoilers for a, t- a TV show that is... That ended in 2003? Yes. <laughs> It ended almost 20 years ago. Yeah. So, in Buffy, there is the main character, Buffy Summers, who has an enemy in the vampire, Spike. Mm, shows up in season two. If sort of supposed to be the big bad in season two. If you don't like this sort of fiction, this is going to sound ridiculous, and I don't blame you, because it does, even explaining it. So, later on, Spike gets not redeemed, but basically he is he is prevented from following through on his... Evil nature. Vampiric instincts. Yeah, he gets uh, someone. No, someone. He... So, someone messes with his head, and he can no longer bite people. Yeah, basically. And then Buffy herself goes through some trauma, and they end up together. This um, is after numerous seasons where Spike just pines over Buffy. Uh, one one season, one whole season that he pines over. It begins in the beginning of season five that he sort of. Yeah, I am. Explaining this as a as as an example of a not as cliche story, but so far this is sounding very cliche. Again, stick with me. Enemies to lovers. And then in the sixth season, they do hook up. Yeah. Get together, but it isn't romantic. It's sexual. It's sexual, and it's highly toxic. And the story after that is about Spike being redeemed, sort of. 
Yeah, I mean, it is about Spike's redemption because Spike chooses to... And this is the interesting thing about Spike, I think, is that as opposed to um, Angel, Buffy's former love interest, who was cursed with a soul, Spike chooses to get a soul because he wants to redeem himself. And that's what's really interesting about that character, and that's why I like that character better, because... Even before that, he still sort of, there was something in his mind that wanted to be good, which is why he did that. So I think his redemption arc is really good. But at that point in the story, after the toxic sexual relationship between Buffy and Spike in season six, there's season seven where Spike gets his soul back and he goes through this redemption as Mm -hmm. such. And at that point, there is a romance between Buffy and Spike, which is far more legitimate. And, and non-sexual. And non-sexual. And I'd argue, although obviously Spike is in love with Buffy, Buffy is at that point more platonically inclined towards Spike. Yeah, but yeah. I think she is also in love with him. Deba- I've, I've, de- always, I've always, debatable, but I've always um, but seen it that the, way. It's, it's interpretive as to how you can look at it. But the point is, is that a romance does not necessarily need to involve sex. No, and it doesn't not. even need to involve what we typically class as, as as romantic love. No. You can have a romantic friendship. You, you can have romantic moments between people who are completely platonic with each other. Yes, you can. Yeah. Love actually comes to mind. <laughs> there are problems with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, multiple. But... Again, all the stories are intertwined, and, and some of them are romantic love. Some of them are just purely sexual. The the um, Martin Freeman. Um, well, that, story. no, but that is. I mean, I mean that, and that's a minor one. But I mean, there is a romantic attraction there. There is between them two. But but it starts off as purely sexual. I mean, literally, they meet on a porn set. No, it's not a porn set. They are stand-ins for actors. It's not. It's not pornography, but they are stand-ins for actors in sex scenes. Nevertheless, that's yeah. kind of how it starts. The point is, anyway, because we seem to be getting away from it again, mm-hmm. is that, that that basically, even in a story that is purely... I mean, love actually is purely about love Rom- yeah, about and, love romance. and romance. But all of those stories, regardless of whether it's um, friends, uh, family, yeah. actual lovers, they're all romantic. Yeah. That's the whole point. So, what... Just to segue straight into our creative game for this week. We're going to create a romantic story. Excellent. Yeah, well, obviously I had you in mind when I came up with this one. (laughs) Because I have already come up with four characters. I don't know anything about these characters. They're just literally four names. They're specifically intended to be um, non-gendered names. So I have Sam, Drew, Chris, and Alex. They could be male, they could be female, they could be none of the above. Yeah. So, we're going to work out from what I have here their character traits, mm-hmm. and then we'll develop the story around them. From what you were talking about to start with, though, we have four people. Yes. We don't know their relationships with each other. No. They could be a love quad. Yeah. Or they could be four friends. Only two of them could be together. They could be a double couple. I have no idea what terminology to use for that. But <laughs> it could be it, swingers. The point is there could be anything. As yes. long as there is a romantic relationship in there. So to tie into what you were starting with 
when you were talking about developing a conflict first. Do you want to possibly decide what the conflict is between these four people, or the the core thread of it, before we start? No, I think in this case, I'd rather start with developing the characters, because I'd like to know who they are. And I think, uh, based on sort of what you've worked out, or what you've sort of created as well, I think that it makes more sense to start with the characters in this instance. Which, like I said, I often do. Fair enough. So, I have a little box that I have now deposited a series, I think I counted around about 80-ish different tra- character personality traits. I'd say five each. Yeah. For the that good. Yeah, we'll go with five. Then yeah, we can work it I mean, out we can that. start that way anyway. Yeah. Some of these are complete polar opposites to each other. I would say if there isn't two that seem completely, completely incompatible with each other... We can put them back. Or, if you're feeling brave, we stick to it anyway, and the hypocrisy of it becomes a character trait. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um... We'll, uh, we'll cross the bridge when we get to it. We'll, we'll, if we get to it. We'll do this... Ra- rather than doing this one at a time, I'm going to let you pick. So we have Sam, Drew, Chris, and Alex. Pick a name. Um, I would like Sam. Okay. Do you want to pick five now, straight away, or do you want to do it in a in a run? Let's do it in a run. Let's do it in a... It's more fun that way. Let's see. Depressed. Sam is depressed. Well, that's nice and fitting. I'd put the... You can't see this, obviously, but I have I have an envelope with the names on. So put the the traits next to the name. Yes. I'll take, a fo- I'll take a photograph of this at the end. Because it is all very homespun. I did this on a printer last night and wrote it on a spare envelope, which just came in the mail the other day. So this doesn't look professional in any way, which means doubly you deserve to see it. So for the next one, I think I will pick Chris. And the trait I got is Dreamer. Do you want to pick another name or do you want to pick Sam again? I'll go with Alex. Okay. Loud. Okay, and then I'll pick for... Well, I might as well just pick for Drew. Yeah. And Drew's introverted. All right. Again. I'm going with Sam again. Sam is mysterious. Depressed and mysterious. I'm going to pick for Alex again, because so far I kind of... even You though... picked for Chris the first time. No, I know. Oh, okay. I'm picking for Alex this time. Okay. The reason being is that I can kind of feel like loud Alex will have an interesting relationship with Sam, even if it's not necessarily a romantic one. Mm, that makes sense. Go for it. Loud and cold is Alex. Hmm. I know some people like that. <laughs> we both do. <laughs> Which one are you picking for now? Um, I'm picking for Chris, since you picked for Alex. Okay. Generous. A generous dreamer. I think I quite like Chris. Then for Drew again, I suppose. Arrogant. Arrogant and introverted. Sounds like me. (laughs) You're not arrogant. I sometimes can be. Back to you again. I like Sam. I want to pick more for Sam. Okay. Bold. Like that doesn't go very well with the depressed and mysterious part. Why? I don't know. I kind of already had an idea that he was a bit more shy. 
Guys have already gendered, Sam. We're not going to do that. They. We, we weren't trying to, no. I'm going to stick with they for now. But I, I suppose they could be depressed, mysterious, and bold. Yeah, I mean, being bold, being depressed is not a preventative thing of being bold. I suppose not. You can be a very, a very sort of adventurous and, and go-getting individual, but you can still be depressed. Yeah, that's true. I'll pick for Chris again. Because you seem not to like it when you landed with them this last time, so. <laughs> no, I didn't mind. Uh, so now I have for Chris extroverted. See, I'm quite like the sound of Chris. Yeah, I do Dreamer, too. Dreamer, generous, extroverted. So that's like a nice person. Slightly, I need an I I need I need a non a non gendered way of saying Mary Sue, or Gary Stu. Mary Stu. Mary They're Stu. very. They sound very Mary Stewish. Mm-hmm. So far, we might show up something else. I'll, I'll, I'll do for Drew this time. Witty, arrogant, introverted, and witty. Yeah, why not? Again, sounds like me. <laughs> and then I have to pick for Alex because loud, cold, and loyal. This still sounds like someone we know. Yeah. <laughs> if that person is listening, they can let us know if they know. <laughs> Who are you picking for now? Um, I thought I'd pick for Chris. Wacky. It's even more Gary Stewish. A little bit. Dreamer or Mary Stewish. Dreamer, generous, introverted, and wacky. Sounds like a nice person, though. Yeah. On the whole. I think I will pick for Sam, since you picked for Chris this time. Bright. Now, that's fairly ambiguous, because it could be bright as in intelligent, or it could be bright as in just... Yeah. Well, I think bright as in intelligent is more fitting. He could hide his depression. True. Under a sort of bright and friendly and happy face. But they're also supposed to be mysterious. Could be mysterious as to why they're depressed. Well, if they're hiding their depression, then it's not really mysterious exactly. Mm, I suppose. Unless someone catches on. Which is also a possibility. I'm going to draw for Alex. Okay. Troublesome. <laughs> Still sounds a bit like someone we know. And that leaves me with Drew. To which I have intelligent, arrogant, witty, introverted, intelligent. Are you sure this isn't me? <laughs> Again, you're not arrogant. The other things, the other things are fairly fitting. Um, Sam again. Open. Now that does not fit with Mysterious at all. Okay. I want to put that one back. Okay. Cruel. I don't like Sam as much anymore. I don't like cruel people. I mean, that could be the redemption. Possibly. So. I'm going to pick for Drew. Mm -hmm. Because I want to find out what else I am. <laughs> Aggressive. Okay, that's not me. No. So, arrogant, witty, intelligent, and aggressive for Drew. That's a rather interesting mix, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Chris or Alex? Last two. Um, Chris. Okay. See if we can get something that'll add a little bit more depth. Sarcastic. <laughs> I'm not sure if it adds all that much more depth, but... I mean, you always have to have a sarcastic character. True. 
Then again, I think a character who's introverted, arrogant, and witty is probably a bit sarcastic as well. The witty, the wit would include a little bit of sarcasm. Probably. And the last one for Alex is polite. Does that go with loud, cold, loyal, and troublesome? You can be those things and still be polite, because you can be polite to strangers. Yes, that's true. And make a good first impression, and then the rest of it comes out later. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't it just... (laughs) Um, Just to point out, we're talking about someone, I'm pretty sure we're talking about the same person. Probably. Yeah, we love them. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so we have our character traits for these four people. We have Sam, who's depressed, mysterious, bold, bright, but cruel. Chris, who's dreamer, generous, extroverted, wacky, sarcastic, sounds like the worst one to choose as a protagonist. Yeah, I'd say they're more of a uh, more of a supporting yeah. character. A lot of people would make them the protagonist, but we do not like to go with cliches or tropes, and they are very much a cliche at this point. They are a bit. Yeah. Although I'm sure we'll find a way to make them less so. Mm-hmm. We have Drew, who's arrogant, introverted, witty, intelligent, and aggressive. Career-minded, maybe. Yeah, possibly. Hmm. And we have Alex, who is loud, cold, loyal, troublesome, but polite. I like these people. I mean, I'm not sure that I necessarily like all of them um, in person, but I like them as characters, I think. What's your impression of them? I was thinking a bit about Sam, and I think the cruel thing kind of fits in. If you are a very depressive person, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm bipolar. I can, you know inform our listeners um so i struggle a lot with depression and when you are sort of in the throes of it you don't necessarily consider other people's feelings that much at least not all the time because it's hard enough dealing with your own feelings and and dealing with yourself and you walk around hating yourself which makes it harder to relate to other people as well and i think that for some people i'd say that that kind of that kind of feeling and mindset could manifest as, if not cruelty, then at least a sort of lack of empathy. Not in the sense of a psychopath, but just in the sense of just not having the, the, the energy, not having the spoons, I suppose, to put yourself in other people's shoes. And that can manifest as a cruel behavior. Sure. And I mean, I've dealt with depression as well. And I know full well that sometimes you just you, you give up caring about other things because you're you're too exhausted from everything else. Exactly. But just to go back to something else about Sam, you began gendering them. I did. Instantly. I, I don't know if I called them him in the midst of this. I might have done. But you you definitely called them him straight away. I did. So the character that you have in mind as a him. Because that's now established in your head. Yeah. If we said that is definitely a woman, does that change the character to you? Does their personality change based on that? Not their personality exactly, but I'd say that the way the personality is expressed probably does. And I mean, now we'd be going into gender theory and so on, but um, that would have to do with the way that men and women are socialized differently. The same personality traits can be expressed differently based on that the reason why i ask is because i made this non-gendered purposefully because i try to never take gender into account when i'm making a character unless it's got some sort of 
historical or mythological perspective to it, which some of my stories do, mm. where they have to be one or the other. Yeah. But on the whole, when I come up with a character, I try and think... First of all, I, I think in my head, what is the most obvious thing that it's telling me that it is? And if I instantly think this is a male or if this is a female, I then try to make it a point to make it the opposite. Oh, really? And I know a lot of people out there are sort of quite, shall we say, upset with pop culture these days because they feel like it's slanted towards, you know, female characters or whatever. Forced diversity. Forced diversity and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't give a crap. I watch something for the sake of it, and if I enjoy it, I enjoy it. Mm. It doesn't matter to me whether it feels like, you know, a a female character is, is purposefully in a male role or... No. So, but when I do come up with a character, I first think, you know, is it a male or female? Does it matter? And if I go, it doesn't matter, and my brain's already thinking it's male, I will just try and switch that to female. Yeah, well, I mean, I, to an extent, like, once I've come up with a character, they're usually gendered, but in those instances where I need a character and I haven't made them yet, I sort of make it a point of trying to uh, make that character in some way, well, make that character not a white man, essentially, <laughs> a white straight cis man. I'll want to try and uh, and create more diverse stories by thinking, all right, so I need a character for this. Can this character be say, a woman, and if there's no discernible reason why they can't, I will oftentimes make them a woman. Can this character be queer? And if there's no real reason why they can't, which there's never a reason why someone can't be queer in my stories unless they're, you know, a homophobic antagonist or something, and even then, uh, (laughs) um, then I'll I'll generally make them queer. If If there's no reason why they can't be a person of colour, I'll try and but you write queer fiction to start with, so that's always a question you're I do, but but other than that, other other uh, minority identities or um, or group belonging, how do you say that in English? Whatever, <laughs> you get what I mean. Yeah, um, I tend to sort of try and and make those those characters if I haven't decided anything about them yet, and if there's no reason why they can't be, I'll try and at least put them in one, if not several intersecting non-majority and underrepresented groups. Mm-hmm. Getting back to where we were. Yes. Okay. Again, I purposefully made these non-genders. Do we want to gender them now? Let's not. Okay. So we're going to keep it vague? Yes. Okay, good. What do you want to come up with next? Because I have my old game here. Yeah. The game which came up with which we made our first ones with. Yeah. So, do we want to use that to sort of flesh out a little bit about more about who these are, with say a profession or a location or something along those lines, or do you want to just build up what we've got based on what we have here? I think I'd like to build up based on what we have here. I think we I think we should discuss more um, the different traits of the characters and what they're like. We said about Sam that they're mysterious and bold and bright and I'm now kind of picturing a person who behaves and sort of hides their depression and their underlying issues 
under a veneer of sort of forced cheeriness and who tries to act like they have everything under control and act bold and act like they like they um like they're in control and like they're confident and things like that that makes sense i and the mysterious bit comes in where those that facade kind of doesn't quite hold up and where other people the other characters sort of get that there's something more here but they don't quite know what and that's the mysterious portion of it the times because i again this is kind of what i experience all the time is that um as someone who suffers with depression you can try and put a good front on it a lot of the time but every so often you just can't yeah so could be that people just notice the fact that just sometimes they're out of sorts and they won't talk about why so that could very much be part of it yeah we haven't talked at all about the other three. Let's do that then. So, who do you want to talk about next? I don't know. Who do you want to talk about next? I feel like I've I've sort of made a lot of decisions about Sam at this point. So, how about you pick one of them and uh, say your impressions? Well, the two that I'm most interested in are Chris and Alex. But I want to disregard Chris entirely for now because, as we've already talked about, he is a, a Gary Sue and we can use him better as a supporting role in some point, at some point. So you've been gendering Chris as male as well. I have been, to be fair. Yeah, I shouldn't do that. Let's talk instead about Alex, who's loud, cold, loyal, troublesome, and polite. Mm-hmm. Let's try and put out of our minds a certain person. And let's talk a little bit about what do we imagine a person like that would be. Because I consider, I, I've met other people like that in life. And they tend to be rather, they tend to be less the kind of people that I want to get to know. Barring the person we both know. Yeah. Who is a very, very interesting mix of those traits. And an excellent individual. And an excellent individual. But on the whole, if I met someone who is, who is those traits, I, I probably tend not to get on with them as much. Mm. Although loyal and polite are very much nice traits. But I would say, I, the thing is, I'm picturing with with Alex someone who is a straight talker. Mm. Who will tell it like it is. Yeah. One of those people. Yeah. And who possibly, I want to say that they might actually know about Sam. Yeah. And their... Their depression. Their depression and their situation. And they can be loud and they can be rather critical and clinical about it. But they are loyal, so they don't necessarily talk about it in the open. Mm. But they're one of those people that sees Sam depressed and is, is sort of very tough love about what they should do to... Yeah, I'm kind of thinking maybe um, Alex would try and in their own way help Sam to admit to their depression admit to how they're really feeling and uh, what's really going on with them and try and sort of draw them out not to like cure them because you can't do that but to try and help them deal with their shit essentially yeah now here's the thing we know Sam's cruel which I think actually goes quite well with Alex's loud and cold demeanor yeah, because Alex wouldn't. Alex wouldn't care so much. Yes, Alex's feelings wouldn't get hurt when Sam is most likely inadvertently cruel. This most of the time. But that brings to mind to me that this isn't feeling like a love affair to me between these two. This feels like a very deep friendship. Yes, I think so. 
And as we talked about before, romance comes in different forms. I'd like to think of it as quite a romantic friendship. Yeah. Because there is a very deep feeling between the two from both sides that because of their individual personalities, they probably do not talk about. Probably not, no. I have a friend just like this, but where our relationship is, is basically this. Yeah. So I, I can kind of picture that basically these two are, are two people that do sort of, who, who very, very much have a deep connection, a deep bond between them, but who are not like that in public and don't address it. Yeah. I'd say that, I know at this point I kind of feel like Sam is the main protagonist. Well, you latched on to Sam straight away. So that I did. I me. did latch on to Sam. I, I, I often latch on to characters with who mental health problems and who are broken. And I'm kind of feeling if Sam is the main protagonist and this is a romance, then the romantic interest is true. Arrogant, introverted, witty, intelligent and aggressive. Yes. The aggressive part I quite am intrigued by because that seems like something that would sort of draw Sam out, maybe. Yeah, and I mean, aggressiveness, it doesn't have to mean aggressive as in violent. You no, can have no, an aggressive no. personality uh, where, you're, where you act out, but where you, you're not, you know, in any way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I said, or if I didn't say, I was thinking it very hard, um, which you wouldn't hear, but <laughs> in my head it came through ring as, as loud as a bell. I said that they were probably very career-minded. Yes, you did say that. I did say that. Okay, that's good. I don't just say things in my head. It would make this podcast very awkward. Yeah, so very career-minded. I don't know why I said that, but, but when someone says aggressive to me, I don't necessarily think loud, shouty, and, you know, having a fight. I, I think career-minded, go Ambitious. Get it, kind of. Ambitious, yeah, that's what I think. So, yeah. And we are free to interpret these traits however we like. Yeah, hence the reason why we're also going to make sure that these are listed on our Twitter so that people can also do what they want with them as well. Mm-hmm. So you think there's a, there's a... I think there's a romantic connection between them. I think, and I think that they're both in their own ways a little bit broken. I think that Drew has a lot of issues as well. But I think Drew is interested in Sam before Sam is interested in Drew. Because I think Sam is so trapped in the depression that they don't even think in those terms and they don't notice that other people are interested. Okay. And I, I can kind of see that. Yeah. And I think that Drew might... Well, I suppose Drew might somewhat aggressively pursue Sam, and Sam is utterly oblivious to this. Which I suppose is a bit of a trope, but doesn't necessarily have to be. At this point, how tropish is this feeling at the moment? I don't know. Do you feel like this is a fairly original take on a on a love story, or do you think this is becoming a little bit cliché? Well, there is nothing new under the sun. We keep saying I... that, but let's... <laughs> In this particular case, because there are as much as much as people cringe at the at the the name, I I I I maintain that there is such a thing as very unique. <laughs> so, um, well, I wouldn't say it's very unique. Okay, it probably isn't. But you feel like that the interesting characters that draw you in. Yes, okay. I think so. I th- I th- I think if I read the story, I'd I'd find it. I'd find it definitely interesting. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and find you already are. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll buy that. We haven't done anything with Chris yet. See, I was sort of thinking that maybe Chris is interested in Sam as well. You think? Yeah, and I don't know. Chris is kind of reminding me of... I mean, I, I look at Chris and I think of the old trope of the manic pixie dream girl. 
See, I I get that, Dream but boy. I'm kind of I'm kind of picturing Chris a little bit in the sense of a, a character that I created for another story, which I think I mentioned actually before, or I may have mentioned a character who showed up to be the new boyfriend of one of my main characters after the main character had broken up, and which relationship was sort of doomed to fail because obviously that character was still hung up on the ex and they had to end up together in the end because otherwise my readers would have crucified me uh (laughs) so that but that character was a very sweet person a very generous and kind person who was honestly aware that it wasn't going to last and just wanted to make the best of it while it did and who was obviously hurt when it ended but got over it and chris is kind of reminding me of that kind of character now it wouldn't be the same the same thing exactly but perhaps chris is the kind of character who can convince sam that they're loved or that they can be loved Mm. you don't agree i don't like it now okay (laughs) (laughs) well what's your thought then i i'm not sure because i i'm trying to come up with the spin see my brain's in melodrama mode now so this is gonna sound terrible okay i want to say chris is uh, Drew's current SO significant other. That works too. Mm. I'd say that that must be a fairly interesting relationship. Drew's personality might clash a bit with Chris's. And that's kind of why I like it. Yeah. And I kind of suspect that if this is a romantic story between Drew and Sam, mm-hmm. where they become a couple, mm. that. Chris and Drew are already together, but I suspect this will probably end up being a fairly amicable split. Yeah, I don't suspect this is going to be a big, high and mighty melodrama. I think this is the story of Drew and Sam finding each other Mm -hmm. and getting together, while Drew and Chris realize that they are not right for each other anymore. But still great friends. And And still still great friends. Still love each other, but not... Romantically. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And then you you sort of develop the romantic relationship between Drew and Sam. And Sam already has Alex, who is their person who has this deep friendship and and long-lasting relationship with. And that is what Chris and Drew develop into. Yeah. You see? Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to establish... I don't think that Sam and Alex have ever had a romantic thing. No, 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 no. It's, like I said, it's a romantic friendship. Yeah. It's platonic. Yeah. It's, I would do anything for you, but I won't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Paraphrasing meatloaf there, but still. Yeah. So that, that story intrigues me. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. So... At the moment, we have these four characters, and they're in a vacuum. Mm. We know who they are, in a cosmic sense. Yeah. (laughs) Because at the moment, the universe that they exist in is an A4-sized sheet of envelope that just has their names and their character in. So we need to flesh this out somewhat. Yes. Uh, Do you want to use the game now, or do we want to sort of talk about what they probably are doing? No, we can use the game. It would be interesting to find professions for them. Although I suggest that we, um, if we draw something highly fantastical, we um, ignore it. Oh, okay. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like this is a. I don't. I don't think it would make sense for Drew to be a pirate. It would make perfect sense to be Drew. What are you talking about? <laughs> Fine. Okay. Well. Okay. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it as we'll it comes. It as we'll we take go. it as we go. And and if if we get to a point where we think that that makes sense, we can do it anyway. But okay. Let's start with. I mean, we can start with character, or we can no, no, no. Location. The characters that I have in this are probably informed by location. Uh, probably will inform location somewhat. So, let's uh, let's start with with the professions. So, once more, I take this very homespun box, which has now fallen to pieces after a few times, and then we have uh, red, which are characters and professions and stuff. I will draw one. For Sam. Okay. Let's see if this makes sense. Forklift operator. That's terribly boring. It's a bit boring, but why not? I have another one which you're going to find a little bit more interesting. Yeah? Priest. Priest. Goodness. Which could be Alex. Could be Alex. That would be a very interesting priest. Yeah, I mean, I'm not thinking like Catholic or Anglican. I'm more thinking... Maybe like a youth pastor or something? Possibly. You said he. Did I? You did. I think that's because in my head, I'm um, I'm Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, so all priests are men in my world. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. That that, that does make sense. But, um, but Alex doesn't have to be a man for that reason. It just... Okay. But I'm feeling priest for, for Alex anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm still not feeling forklift operator for any of them, so... I don't know. Maybe Chris is a forklift operator. Chris is a dreamer. Chris does not want to be a forklift operator, but they are. They want to be something else. That informs the time frame some, I think. I'd say so. This is a fairly contemporary story, I feel. Yeah, seems like. But we don't have to use it. We can choose something else for Chris. Or for any of them, but... Put it next to Chris for now. Put it next to Chris for now. And we'll we'll see what else we come up with, and then we'll have a talk about moving stuff about, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, another one. We'll just not decide. We'll decide after we see it as to who we feel they are. Okay. Actor. This is Drew. This is Drew. Doesn't necessarily need to be a successful actor. No. And doesn't have to be a film actor. It can be a stage actor. What? Uh, I'm not using it. What did you get? Well, Sam's Santa Claus, apparently. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Sam's a pilot. Do we feel that fits? Or is that a bit too... Do, do we want to skip the game for Sam and just come up with something on our own based on what we have here? Because, I mean, Sam's our protagonist. Maybe Sam's unemployed. Maybe. Maybe. Or a student. How old are these people? We haven't decided at all how old they are. Well, I mean, priests don't tend to be young. They can be, but they don't tend to be. You can be if they're, say, a youth pastor or whatever, like I was thinking. Based on what we've got here, I'm going to... I feel like these are people in their late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. I'm projecting a little bit, because as we've already established, we know people like this. Let's say 30s. Yeah. I think, just to swap around a bit, I like the idea of Chris being someone who's a bit who doesn't have necessarily the best job. So for Chris, I think waiter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Chris can be a waiter. Yeah. And for for Sam, 
I think Sam is probably at a bit of an impasse in life. So yeah, I think he is unemployed, but I don't think he was up until... I, I think he probably was quite recently, until quite recently, employed as something. He'd probably be doing something that he loved. I think at this point I'm gendering them. I think Sam is a man. Mm-hmm. I think Alex is a woman. I think Chris is a woman. Mm-hmm. And I think Drew is a man. How did I know you were going to say that? Because all my characters are gay is why. Yeah. But Drew isn't gay. Drew is bisexual. Chris and Drew... The, and it's crucial. Chris and Drew do not break up because Drew is gay. I don't want that. No, no. The reason why I'm sounding a bit doubtful is just simply because I'm trying to get you a little bit out of your comfort zone. Which is ridiculous because I'm talking about... As we're doing a romance story, which is very much your comfort zone. But I'd be totally fine with doing a straight romance, but I, I don't quite feel it. I mean, I, with the characters. I feel like Drew and Sam are men. See, it's interesting, because I was feeling like... I was feeling like Alex was male. I think I was thinking that Chris was a woman. Yeah. And Sam and Drew were male. That was my... Like, I'm not... Con- at the moment, I'm still thinking character. I'm not actually connecting them in my head as people. So, on an individual basis, based on their character traits, that was what I was thinking about. So, that fits. I still think Alex should be a woman because, and here's that that thing, there's no reason why Alex shouldn't be a woman. No, that's true. So. And I'm still thinking the priest part as sort of a youth pastor or um, a minister in some hip church. <laughs> I, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing them as a, as a, you know, sort of traditional... Church of England, Church of Norway, Church of whatever no. kind of thing. I'm thinking more of a, a... I think, going back to the Sam situation again, I think you're right. I think they're unemployed. And I think they were doing something that they loved doing before. I don't think we should necessarily address in the story what the former thing is. I like stories like that. I like stories where there is a, where there is a reference to something in the person's past which just isn't addressed. So it but can you be loved your old job. Yeah, but... Not really talking about necessarily what it is. Hinting in text what it might be. Hmm. Something artistic, maybe. Yeah, I was thinking that too. We're both depressed people. We're both artistic. So necessarily, every, by extension, everyone who's ever depressed in their lives must be a tortured artist. Well, I mean, half my protagonists are musicians and the other half are writers. So. <laughs> That's not entirely true. That is not entirely correct. What was what was I saying about comfort zones? Mm-hmm. It's fine. Another one of your characters is gay by Viking, so true. <laughs> yeah. And I I do think Chris kind of fits as a pilot. I thought you were saying that Chris was going to be a waiter. That's true. Yes, oh, waitress. Yes, yes, yes. Chris is a waiter. I'm feeling that. Okay, we have who they are now. We kind of have the conflicts involved. Yes. Is there anything else you would normally add to a story to kind of flesh it out some? I'd say we need a place where it's set, but yes. a lot of my locations in the game are fantastical. So where are you feeling they live? Are they city dwellers? In order for Drew to be an actor, I feel like they almost would have to be. It doesn't have to be like a big city, though, but it has to be a place that has a theatre. Yeah, I think he's a theatrical actor. I'd, I'd prefer for him to be a theatre yeah, actor. This is the thing. I, I think, because the story about actors is always, you know, they're, they're aspiring actors. They want to push themselves further. And, you know, they, they end up getting the big time. Yeah, maybe he's just, maybe he's like a tenured actor at a, at a, a, a 
respectable theatre. Yeah, and probably does. I mean, as as we've kind of established, he's kind of aggressive. He's a bit of a go-getter. So he pushes himself to do more, but he isn't like a big-time star. He, you know, he'll... He'll get an ensemble ensemble actor. He likes being in the theatre and he likes doing what he does in that medium. Okay. We're thinking city. Yeah. We're thinking contemporary. We'd already worked that out. Yeah. So modern day. Doesn't have to be right now. I mean, preferably not. No, you know Preferably what? not right now, but... <laughs> For some reason, I am feeling this story should be set in the 90s. No, that's fine. 90s is cool. I was actually thinking a little bit just now that it should be at some point in the later half of the 20th century. The 90s are going to come back in a big way in the next 10 years. The 90s have been back in a big way for a few years now. Haven't you seen the fashion? Mm, It's a fair point. Okay, so country? Well, Britain, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Drew, I kind of feel is a very American name. Maybe, but... I mean, they, they might not necessarily all be from Britain. They wouldn't necessarily have to be, no. No. We're inevitably going to say London. I don't want to say London. No, I don't want to say London. I, I think London's too big. I'd say... Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Mm. Edinburgh makes a lot of sense for an actor. Gets his break at the fringe, start as an indie actor, does, uh, does small interesting plays, ends up as an as a ensemble cast at a theatre. And the thing about Edinburgh as well is that the, the thing is with these sorts of stories, I kind of feel like the, the, the location informs a lot about the story itself. It does. You, it usually, you usually get a strong feel about the sort of tone of the story just based on where it's set and how it's described in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Edinburgh, I think, feels right for this story as well. Yeah, I'd say it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can kind of picture it on Edinburgh streets and be like, yeah, that's... That's that's where I want this story. Yeah. It looks nice. Let's break this down. So, we have our four characters. Mm-hmm. We have Sam, who is unemployed. Did do something that they loved. Something artistic. Might even be maybe a graphic designer or something like that. Who was very much involved in their craft. Yeah. And is very intelligent, very bright. But lost his job and then became very depressed over it. Yes. Kind of lost touch with people a little bit. Became quite cruel to the world. And it's very hard for other people to bring him out of this. Yes. I I suspect that this is the kind of story which has a strong supporting cast of other characters beyond these four. Yeah, probably. Family and things. Who... You know, we'll find that, you know, they, they struggle to understand Sam somewhat. Because mm. they're like, oh, you, you just need to find something else. And he's just very dejected. And there's somewhat struggling to get into his mindset. Because, you know, he, he's, he goes to places and he's always very upbeat and happy. But not. Yeah. Alex is his childhood best friend who gets it. Maybe not necessarily childhood best friend, but just they're very close-knit. They have a very deep connection with each other. Mm. Alex knows him better than anyone else. Yes, and she uh, she wants to um, to help, but she's not. She doesn't coddle him. Maybe Sam's family sort of try to coddle him and... and, and tell him everything's going to be all right. Tell him everything's going to be all right, whereas Alex is just like, 
no, you keep keep at this. It's gonna go to shit. <laughs> yeah, stuff goes to shit. Get over it. Yeah, yeah. Let's go have a drink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That fits. And I kind of feel that Alex would get involved later on in the story as well. I'll get to that. But then we have those two, and Sam's kind of our main protagonist for this. But then we have the story of Chris and Drew alongside of it. Yes. Who our who have been together for eh, let's say three years. Yeah. Who got together because they they felt that they were very connected. They they were both very sort of. They have both have a very strong sense of humor that gel well together. And even though Chris is extroverted and Drew is very introverted, they do sort of have this personality that, that sort of... Yeah, they um, complement each other. They complement each other. But somewhere along the line, as things have gone on, that, that, that complementary nature has started to, to sort of clash a bit. Hmm. Maybe Drew isn't interested in going to going out when Chris does because they just want to because they just want to stay in and and um yeah and read or we we do have an actor who is introverted which does sound like very much of a contradict contradiction but there are actors who are very introverted oh yeah absolutely yeah. it is part of their trade sometimes just to pull them out of that but yeah maybe Drew just doesn't like going out when Chris does and Chris would refer to. And after a time, it does start getting a bit difficult for them to maintain that complementary nature. Yeah. And eventually they just decide that they're, they're not right for each other. But they still have a very strong bond. Yeah. Very strong friendship. Meanwhile, Drew meets Sam. And I think you probably have the best handle of how this relationship goes. So what do you reckon? I'd say, like I said, I think Drew is interested in Sam before Sam is interested in Drew. Because Sam is depressed and too sort of caught up in all that to really notice all that much. And I think Drew tries to sort of flirt with Sam, but Drew is very introverted, so he's not necessarily all that good at flirting in the first place. And uh, but, but they are attracted to each other and... Uh, Sam starts to notice after a while. Maybe they become not friends exactly first, but they uh, they sort of meet up and talk. I'd say Alex encourages Sam to get to know Drew. I've got it. What? I've got it. Sam is a carpenter. Okay. He is a carpenter. He um, was... Um, Brought into the family business by his father. Mm-hmm. His father, however, passed away and the family business went down. Mm. That is why Sam is A, unemployed mm-hmm. and B, very depressed. Mm. And people are like, you know, well, your father died. That's terrible. Even his family, you know, you, you, your dad died, but, you know, you're still a highly trained carpenter. You can do anything you want. I'm also relating this because um, it could have been carvings. And things of that nature, mm. which will relate back to how Sam might have met Alex in the first place, being a priest. Mm. Church carving. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Also, set in the 90s, you know, it's that time when a lot of more traditional occupations were struggling a lot. Yeah. And were starting to fail. Yeah. Or were hanging on for a long, long time and then just failed. But Sam becomes, to, to sort of make ends meet, becomes a stagehand. 
Oh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So that's how Sam and Drew meet. Mm. And then form this bond, get talking. Drew obviously is fairly introverted, and Sam's fairly cut off from the world. So in the quiet moments when Drew's just wanting to be on their own, learn lines, <laughs> I'm feeling Drew is very method. I suppose so. But Sam is also just off in a corner, doing his own thing. And I suspect that they first, they, I mean, probably, uh, I mean, I'm not an actor, but I think sometimes actors probably just sort of, everything else in the stage is background to them. Mm. You know, all the stage hands and working, everything like that. So Sam was probably a little bit in the background. But sort of Drew notices that, that Sam is just off to a corner someplace when things are quiet. And that's fine for Drew because they just sit down and learn the lines and they're very quiet too. Mm-hmm. And that's how they meet. And that's how Drew becomes fairly interested in Sam. And slowly draws them out. Well, it probably has some quiet conversations to start yeah. with. I think that Sam's um, now slight, slightly sort of inadvertently cruel nature, which has been born out of his depression, um, would probably cause some hindrances and some conflict between them. Because... Um, well, at the same time, I mean, as, as much as, as Chris and Drew are very fond of each other, there's going to be a lot of... Drew is going to hurt a little bit about this three-year relationship going down. So maybe it's just a case of, of sort of Sam being quite cruel to start with and just sort of not caring. Maybe Sam, maybe, sorry, sorry, maybe Drew just brings it up in, mm-hmm. in sort of a quiet conversation. Maybe they're a little bit down and, you know, thinking, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling today. I, I don't want to be doing this because mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather be at home talking to Chris. Mm. And Sam... Probably repeating some of what Alex has been telling him in his head a lot. Just get the fuck on with it. Mm. You know, leave if that's what you're going to do. Or don't. Just make a fucking decision. Yeah. And that is sort of where the conflict is. That they are... That Chris has this... uh, Chris and Drew have this conflict. But as much of a conflict as it is, it's smoothed out relatively easily. But Sam and Drew have the... As as even though this becomes a romantic relationship in the end, it is a a very much sort of um, rocky start, mm. just with how Sam's nature is is somewhat more closed off to start with, and then they end up together probably because they're sort of conflicting somewhat at work, and Sam probably is talking to Alex. Could be one of those stories where you know they just start talking about Drew. More, and more, and more, and Until Alex just Alex gets. Is this, like, this, this, are you fucking in love with this person? <laughs> it sounds like no. I I don't I don't know. I never really thought about it. <laughs> yeah, I should apologize if you are not particularly fond of 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 the swearing. We don't swear much on this show. To be fair, we swear a lot less in this show than we normally do. Yes, but we will swear. Sorry, deal yeah. with it. But at the same time, I kind of feel like stories like this do tend to contain a lot of swearing anyway, particularly with characters like Alex. So I, I kind of feel like that's probably how the, how the story goes. Yeah, I think so. I don't quite know exactly how it would end. No. Do we think it's a happy ending? I'd say it's a happy for now ending. 
you're the one I'm with for now kind of thing. Yeah. I, I doesn't don't... really matter what happens. I Actually, no, I kind of think that the story should be that they are together. Mm. But by this point, they've both gone through their same stuff, mm-hmm. whether it be Sam in regards to his future and his job mm-hmm. and what he wants to do next and Drew with their relationship with Chris. And by the end of it, they're kind of like, well, let's live. It's a, it's a let's live for now kind of story. Yeah. And we'll let things play out as they may later. Yeah. And that kind of works, I think, as this is, I mean, I'm still talking in days, but you've already decided that Sam and Drew are male. Mm. And I mean, I did too, in my own head. So it makes sense to me that as two men, one of which was bi, the, the other one may be gay or maybe straight or beca- or realizing they're gay maybe or, yeah. or bi. I don't know. I think I think I think Sam is gay, and I think Sam is aware that he's gay. Mm, yeah, possibly. Maybe um, not out. No, maybe not. Maybe that gay. maybe that's something that only Alex knows. Yeah. But could be, maybe could be still in the closet. I don't think that that side of things should be a very big part of the. No, plot. no, no. I don't either. But I think that necessarily that still informs the story somewhat. That basically, as two, as two gay slash bi men in the nineties, and also in their early 30s, late 20s, mm-hmm. deciding that, you know, we are, we, we've already gone through some crap. Mm-hmm. So let's just live right now and whatever happens in the future happens. Yeah. We, we may be together, we might not be together. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. And then that's just where it closes. I kind of feel like that's a, that's a fair way to end the story. Yeah, I think so. Mm. All right. We've made a romance story. Yeah. That was not quite as difficult as I was expecting. <laughs> I think you did quite well. Uh, it's still not my genre. But I'm glad I contributed. So I am going to um, make sure we have a photo of this mm-hmm. to put on our Twitter mm-hmm. and Facebook. So people can decide for themselves who these people are. If any of you think that they have a better story, please write it. Or tell us what you think the story is. Again... We're not dictating, we are dictating a story to you, but we're dictating a story to you based on what we... Yeah, what we extrapolate what we, what we from... Extrapolate from what we extrapolate from what our own experiences are. Mm-hmm. Because we've talked a lot about our own, our own interest in fiction, our own uh, ways of writing, our own particular genres that we write in. Yes. But that's unique to us. You might read into this and decide that you want to, like, the most schmaltzy cliche story ever and that's still great yeah it might still be a wonderful story yeah but um so no matter what if you basically see this and you feel inspired and want to do your own story then let us know uh you can get in touch with us on um at first draft c on uh, twitter or at first draft collective on facebook and if you want to get directly in touch with me, I am at thorn underscore wild with an E at the end. Yeah. And you can just get through to me through the uh, first draft um, pages as well. Uh, we have more plans going forward as to other stuff that we can do to involve you. Um, but as we're talking at the moment, we have not published the first episode yet. Once we do, we're hoping that we're going to have a lot more um, involvement with, with our listeners as we get them. And we hope that uh, you'll be involved with us as we do this a lot more. In the meantime, 
I hope to hear from you as soon as we go live with these. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope you enjoy. Goodbye. Bye.